I am Plata on the line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. One of the more fascinating and memorable memoirs from this past fall is a book by Rosalie Wise Sharp, Me and Izzy, A Four Seasons Romance. In the book, with honesty and frankness, she recounts her troubled and deprived childhood, a marriage of over 70 years now to Isidore Sharp, the founder of the Four Seasons Hotels, and... Uh, raising a family of four boys. It's a life that has had great successes in business, family, as well as art and design, but one not without tragedy, the loss of their son Chris, as well as family members killed during the Holocaust. The book also features a number of Rosalie's paintings. There are stories about family, the kids, grandkids, and now grand, great-grandkids, and the glittering, bold-faced names she found seated with at dinners as well as her own success as an interior designer and painter. At the, the book's heart, though, is this partnership with her husband, Izzy, and how their mutual love and respect has yielded a fantasy life of opulence and luxury, as well as generosity and devotion. Rosalie Y. Sharp is the editor of Growing Up Jewish and uh, the author of Rifke, Ceramics, Ethics and Scandal, and China to Light Up a House, her website, RosalieWiseSharp.com showcases over 200 of her paintings. The book is published by ECW Press. We spoke this past weekend. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, Rosalie Wise Sharp. Mr. Sharp, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Um, th- this book is uh, it's about love. I mean, the, it, if you boil it down, if you will, I, that's the sense that I got as I was reading the book, that you're talking about the loves of your life. Your, uh, your, your husband, Izzy. Your your family art uh, collecting, um, and, and it's great to see that you have this capacity for love. Um, yet the home that you grew up in with your parents, it was not very demonstrative when it came to affection, when it came to love itself. D- did your parents love one another? Well, they came at, at at the end. They came to love one another. They fought in the early years when I was. Growing up, they they fought, and my mother often said, she said in Yiddish, if I had a Bryra, if I if I had an escape, I would leave. Mm. She would, and she kept threatening that. And as a, a little kid, I got tired of hearing it. And one day, I said to her, "So leave already, <laughs> so go." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what happened was as time went by they came to count on one another and when my mother was dying in the hospital she gestured to her wedding band mm. she couldn't speak but she told me that she wanted to be buried with it yeah yeah and then you're, you're this was in 1983 and, and your father uh he died uh, v- very soon after is that right Yes, my brother and I are are sorry. We we didn't do a postmortem because mm. we suspect that he committed suicide. But because because my brother found him four months after my mother died, uh, my brother was he tried to rouse him out of out of his uh, grief. Uh-huh. And um, over, he tried to, every day he went there and talked to him. But when, when he died, my brother found him in his bed in, in nice pajamas. Mm-hmm. And he never wore pajamas. So, yeah. so we suspect it, but we, we don't know for sure. Something that you talk about in the book, um, Rosalie, is um, the relationship with your mother and, and how... That evolves over time. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned that, that it was not a, a, a an overly, um, say, uh, you, you guys didn't uh, express yourselves, uh, as, the, as we say nowadays, with PDA, public displays of affection. Oh, yeah, right. My, my granddaughter uh-huh. taught me to say at the end of all my grandkids, they say, love you. Mm. Oh, that, I never heard that. No, I think... I think it dates back to, it's a, I think it's a Jewish, religious Jewish uh, thing that you, you just don't, you don't display affection. 
I never saw my father put his arm around my mother or give her a kiss or a hug. Never once. And yet, though, when when I sat on his lap as a kid, I I found I warmth there, even though my father had a dibic and he would go into rages. Uh-huh. Um, he he was very docile and he, he was he did have affection. So yeah. it was. I think, oh, I didn't explain. The Yiddish custom uh-huh. is uh, not to use superlatives, not to boast, don't boast, mm. don't show affection, be very stoical. And so it, it's a tradition, and I think that they, they were part of that Jewish tradition, of Hasidic tradition. I don't know. If uh, if that's changed today among Hasidim, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What what was your mother artistic at all? Not at all. She didn't have it. All her family was artistic. That's mm-hmm. where I got the genes. Uh, no, she couldn't. She I remember her. She would ask me, a seven year old kid. She put on a dress and she'd say, "Is this okay?" Yeah. <laughs> She'd ask me for an opinion. <laughs> for advice, yeah. But but it's it, it, the 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 one family member from your mother's side that that um, that you talk about about uh, his artistic ability is her brother. How do you pronounce his name? Is it Haskell? Haskell. Haskell. And yeah. so you never knew him, but but um, you you feel very close to him, don't you? He was so good looking. I have one picture of him. That he said, like, 1939, just as he sent to my mother, he said, look, you know, you're, you, when she left him, he was nine years old. She said, you know, I'm not a kid anymore. There's a picture. And he, sadly, he wanted to come. Of course, they all wanted, they couldn't get out. Mm-hmm. The, the Canadian immigration, Mackenzie King was an anti-Semite. Right. And they wouldn't let, there was a book written called None is Too Many about the the fact that Jews were not allowed in Canada, famously said by Mackenzie King, none is too many. So that was sad. So my my mother's brother, Huskell, he, in his letters, he sent drawings. He did a drawing of my mother that he sent. And once, very cheerfully, he said, in 1939, he said, uh, they, they need signs uh, in Ojeref, and you know that's, that's my line, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it pays well. And the signs were said, no Jews allowed, and they were put up into, no, they, they were put up, signs were put up in Jewish shops in Ozhirov. That's a little town in Poland that my parents came from. And for the Nazis, he did sign painting and got paid for it. Mm. And he was cheerful about it. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking to read the book and when you talk about him and and um, you know, you, you talk about your, your son Chris as well and thinking about the life, the lives that they might have had. Had they lived? Yes. I mean, th- these are things you think about regularly, right? Oh, it, it, I say that the Holocaust lurks around the fringes of my mind. I, I compare all my good fortune to people in the Holocaust. And the other day on the TV, I see a parade of helmeted, white helmeted net. Nazi, neo-Nazis. Mm-hmm. How can people believe that there wasn't a Holocaust? I don't understand. Don't they check facts? Yeah. yeah. And so, so what has it been like the last few years? When, it, 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 by the way, it's not the last few years. It's 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 regularly that we have to relearn this stuff. When when you see uh, a rise in anti-Semitism, how did that? Uh, 
what does that make you think, say? Well, I I think that people that people need to be haters. That's part of, unfortunately, part of the human condition. People need to hate. They need to, to cover up the fact that they're not happy with their lives, that they're not successful, that they're not, that they have, so they need to hate others. This makes, lifts them up by hating others. So I think what should, what would work would be psychology and psychiatry. If, if there were ads on television that were subtly over and over at repeated ads repeated that explained that being a hater is a self-hater mm. and 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 what what kind of people are haters if you're a hater you're a lesser man if somehow we could we could get that idea out there so that people would understand what the meaning of hate. Mm-hmm. That's what I think, but I don't know how, how, how to go about advancing such an idea, and I don't know why it, 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 nothing like that is done. Let's talk. Let's move to something more, more, more uh, beautiful in life and, and, and art itself. Um, in the book, a number of your paintings are, are, are featured in the book, and, and uh, I, I guess your website has, has more of these uh, works of yours uh, yes. for display. Do you paint every day? Every day. I was painting when you called. Yes, I paint every day. I get up early, and um, I, I love color. And just to, to when when it happens on canvas, mm-hmm. the color colors uh, sing to each other. I, I I love that. And how often is it that what you see in your mind as you start a work um, is what happens on canvas when it's finished? Never. There's never something that I think of that it always changes. And do you know I know that instinctively about movies, movie mm-hmm. making. I right. know in my, that any creative process, it starts, it begins one place and ends very far from where it began because the work itself tells you what to do next. And I, I, and that that's what it's like the canvas says. You next. So I just go with whatever the canvas tells me, whatever color they say I should... I should do next. It must that's be, how it works. See, I'm not a creative person, Rosalind. I think that's quite exciting when, when that happens. Does it feel like that when you're, when you're say, swept by creativity? Yes, it is. It is, it is a joy. Yeah. It's a joy to, to, uh, to see, to be partners almost with, with some force that, that uh, happens. Another partner of yours in, in life, your husband, Izzy, you've been married for over 70 years now. People yeah. must ask you all the time how, how you've made it work for as long as you have. Do, do people seek advice from you on that score? Uh, no, they, they wonder about it. But the reason that I have this happy marriage and thing is because my husband is an angel. <laughs> he is so dear to the, to anyone, to his He's got 50,000 employees, and they all love him because he he's, I think that his personality is handed down. It's a rabbinical thing because his, his father was just, he's just like his father, and his grandfather was a rabbi, and so on. His great-grandfather was a rabbi, and there's some ethical a thing that was handed down to him, where he's he he's so inclusive to all the people. He doesn't see color. He doesn't see people. Uh, he sees people. Uh, he's so essentially democratic, and uh, he has, he's very very kind and very smart. 
he always makes the right decision. <laughs> Not always. He, he does. He, he makes mistakes, but then that's part of it. Yeah. But he's he's really quite an exceptionally uh, kind and uh, bright person. So I mean, if, he he would have made any marriage work. His life could have been six feet wide and six feet high, and and whatever he he sees through his glasses of optimism. Yeah, was that did you see that early on in him when you first met him? Uh, yeah, well, the the first I met him at a wedding mm-hmm. uh, of his cousin and I was bridesmaid, and we had a dance. And I wrote in my diary the next day that uh, I, I, that I went to school and to tell my best friend that I met the man I love and. I found her at her locker, and I told her, Merle, I met this guy, and she said, oh, don't, I said, he's never going to call, and she said, oh, don't, don't be dumb, of course, don't be a ninny, she said, of course he'll call. (laughs) Well, he didn't for a week, and he called, and then we went to see this terrible movie called Sailor Beware or something. Yeah, Jerry Lewis. Yeah. And we went to the Imperial Theater, and I remember exactly the seats we sat in. I have that kind of memory. Uh-huh. Uh, we sat like three rows up on the side. To, so we sit in the aisle seats, and the movie starts. And as soon as the movie starts, he slides down in his seat and goes to sleep. <laughs> I, I thought that was so cool. I thought, whoa, I, I still can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't figure, I, I was amazed at that, and he is, he's, he's still that cool. The reason he fell asleep is he was up at, at six to, um, uh, he was on, the, on a construction. Mm. That's what he did. It was Max Sharp and Son Construction. They built apartments for rent and started out with small houses, and so he was tired. Mm, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 um, the thing that, that strikes me as you write about him in the book, um, uh, he, he has this great quality, this, this charisma, obviously, that, that, that served him well, but, but it, it's also partnered with a, a sense of naivete, I think you describe it as, a, a sort of trust that... Um, uh, has worked for him, I guess, most of the time. As, as you said, he's made mistakes over the years. Um, is that yeah, he, that sort of trust and naivete? Is that is that something that, that you have as well? Uh, I, I I can't tell. I I, I don't. I not. Um. Not not in, not. I I'm not naive like he is. He believes the best. Of people, and mm. uh, occasionally he's disappointed. You sure. know, occasionally that person turns out to be yeah. not what he thought. But but having that attitude is has served him well in business because he's so trusting. And for some reason, like for instance, he 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 went to see uh, the bank manager to, for a loan early on when he was 20 uh-huh. and he was wearing his rubber boots and his construction clothes and he asked the bank manager for a loan to build houses on this land in Scarborough so the, the uh, bank manager said well what's your collateral so he said the collateral is that the land that we bought is worth more it's evaluated. It's it's gone up in value, and that value is the collateral. So, the bank manager was floored, and he said, "Young man, you should take off those those boots and, and go into finance." <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 we know the story there. I mean, he's he's done very well. Um, the, the credit for his success. I, I I don't know if you seek that for yourself, but after reading the book, 
and, and others have said this. I mean, you've been indispensable to him, and, and I think thus integral to the success of uh, Four Seasons. Do, do, you, do you accept any of that credit, say? Well, I, I, my husband will, tells me for, for 70 years he's been telling me how great I am, and so I'm beginning to believe it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 we once had to put our house up as a mortgage for we were in trouble uh -huh. financially early on so he is he put the house up and um i didn't i had to sign i didn't mind a bit uh it, it, it didn't and then um what was i'm trying to think of the later thing just let me think um, oh we built we built a house finally at, at when I was pregnant with my fourth son. We we moved from an apartment finally into mm -hmm. a, we were building a very modern house on Green Valley Road, and toward just as we were going to move, Izzy said, "You know that house it it cost more than I expected, and uh, maybe we should move into something, sell it, and move into." Not, and I said. That's good. That's okay. Yeah. If, that, if that's what we have to do. So we went to see a few houses, and I, I liked them all. I said, this is good. We could do this. Because I'm an interior designer, mm -hmm. I can make any house. My first apartment was wonderful. It had white walls, which in those days was not done. I think I was the first want to use white on walls. They were always sort of a pale green. Mm -hmm. Was and some one one friend of mine came into our my apart, first apartment and said, "This place looks like a hospital because it was painted white." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yes, that I I can always see how to how to fix up a house. So I've never I've never been negative about business or losses or uh -huh. anything like that. Yeah. So it's a huge brand. Um, it, it's it's a, a trustworthy brand, uh, uh, you know, and it, it's a desirable band, brand for investors in the sort. Uh, but by the way, I've always wondered, um, that press conference that Rudy Giuliani had at, at the landscaping company in Philadelphia in, in November of 2020, what, what did you and Izzy think of that when, when, when um, it was at the, the Four Seasons Landscaping Company when um, I think they expected it to be at the Four Seasons Hotel in, in, in Philadelphia. I, I don't quite remember that. Izzy would remember. Mm. Uh, Be Giuliani and... Yeah, he, he, he was, it was after the election, and, and um, I guess they, they, they Everyone had expected it to be at a, at a Four Seasons hotel, but it ended up in a landscaping company's parking lot. And I'd always wondered, you know, because because uh, I, I guess the Trump people uh, valued the, the the name, and, and but they couldn't get in. <laughs> that it ended up at this landscaping company that shared the same name. It sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't I, I don't quite remember it. So so it it is such a. a, a um, a great brand. Um, it's recession-proof, and as we've seen in recent years, pandemic-proof. From those early years on, could you have possibly imagined where it ended ended up? I mean, from that first hotel to today. Not at all. Not at all. No. It, it, it just built the first hotel, the downtown one. It was in in the red light district, but it just became. A center for the CBC was across the road, and Elwood Glover had his luncheon date program there, mm -hmm. and it just became, uh, uh, you know, the place to go. And then, and then Izzy uh, bought some land at the corner of Don Mills and uh, uh, Leslie and Eglinton, mm -hmm. and he he took me up there. And to show me this land that he was going to build the inn on the park on. Mm. And there were 
it was tall grass and a meadow and there was a train a train went by right behind and there was a garbage dump across the road and I thought he was crazy. I thought a hotel here I said in suburbia who was gonna who's gonna gonna come here? What kind of guess that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. But I didn't say anything about I didn't say I never was negative because I I'm not I'm not a business person and I don't I really don't know what what works and what I'm not not good with the, that so I just never said anything and I guess that helped. Yeah. Um, it, you, you talk in the book about the the Four Seasons Hotel here in Vancouver that, that that's no longer here. Um, that was in in the 1970s. I guess was that when. Um, your husband decided to, 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 to change the direction of the company and that, that it wouldn't own real estate anymore? That's exactly right, because at that time, uh, construction costs went up three times. I remember the Science Center in Toronto, mm-hmm. they said it was going to cost X, and it cost times three, and there was a big furor over it. That it was just a crazy uh, few years, so no one could have predicted that costs would escalate. So after that, so Izzy had uh, a a real reversal, and luckily the people he was working with, Cadillac Fairview, they they saved him. They let him off the hook, and they said, "Well, you can pay us later," Mm -hmm. and so on. Just just finish the building and we'll talk about it. And they they did a handshake handshake deal and they were kind to him. So that that was quite lucky. But then he saw that 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 building a hotel for a million dollars in those days and now multi millions. Yeah. Uh, you can't uh, maintain that. So he came up with this business model that was brilliant, that not to own the the, uh, real estate, but maybe just take a piece. In the the beginning, we took 10%, 20% of each hotel. He took as much as he could afford that that would work out, so the numbers would would work. If if things went wrong, we would never be harmed. And you were in, involved in in the Four Seasons here. You designed that um, the, the restaurant that was in there, Chartwell, right? Yeah. Oh, I I did a lot. I I went to OCADU and, and got my credentials, mm-hmm. and then I uh, was the interior designer early on, the wife of interior designer, and uh, I did you know the rooms, the restaurants, the corridors, and the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I did that for for many years. I had a, a company, Rosalie Wise Design. We had as many as eight people working in in uh, peak times, and uh, it was. Uh, I had to. I, I've always had to do something in the art world. Yeah. Yeah, and it, you, you described some of the designs that you've done over the years. Um, hotels in Japan, even and, and the sort, and, and they, they really come alive as you describe them in the book. Um, oh, good. You, you can see them in uh, one's uh, mind's eye. Do you think there'll ever be a Four Seasons again in Vancouver? Oh yes, they're working on one now. I see. Oh yeah, they're just looking for the right spot. Right. And we have good people doing that. Oh yeah, there'll be another one, hopefully. As I'm reading the book, um, you talk about the people you've met over the years, and, and, and unfortunately, as the years go on, fewer people have actually uh, known Terry Fox. Uh, um, you got to know him quite yeah. well. What was he like? Oh, he he he, he was uh, hard to explain what he was like. He he was very laid back mm-hmm. and. He was very intent on uh, 
on get, ridding the world of cancer because he, he and once he had we had a luncheon at the Four Seasons when he came through and he was wearing his torn off uh, sweatpants mm-hmm. and it stood up like short uh, pants and he spoke the room was hushed mm-hmm. you could hear a pin drop and you in fact he was flicking uh, a uh, a paper clip I think you paper described yeah. paper clip he was flicking it you could hear it mm-hmm. and he, he and Izzy talked to him and said uh, when you get to Vancouver we're going to have a big you know party at the hotel mm-hmm. and he said well I don't want to talk about that now because he knew that he, he probably knew that he wasn't going to make it, but so he got up to to um, to what lay what where did he get to Thunder, Thunder Bay. Oh, so when he got to Thunder Bay, what I've always been curious about and meant to find out is as the crow flies from the Atlantic to the Pacific. Mm-hmm. What is the mileage? And to get to Thunder Bay from from Newfoundland, where he started, I wonder if he if he did go across Canada as a crow flies. Yeah. I, 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 I'm going to check that out. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's hard to believe, as I read the book, that, that as he started in Newfoundland, there wasn't the support that he'd, he'd eventually get. And and you were quite integral to that, weren't you? I mean, you you were following his progress, and, and yes. you took out this ad, right, challenging right. other companies to donate. Yeah, that's that's right. We did, and uh, I I think that Izzy is when he thinks about his accomplishments mm-hmm. in life. I think he he said he thinks that the Terry Fox run that he started after Terry died mm-hmm. is uh, probably the best thing he's done because they, they've raised $900 million extra to what what we have for cancer research. That money's all extra. Yeah. So And so many, so many advancements have been made in the cancer treatment since that time. Uh, Terry wouldn't have lost his leg yeah. at now. The, Thanks to that 900 million and other monies and research. Yeah. Yeah. So you you, you lost your son Chris to cancer. That was 1978. Yes. Um, it, it's it's um, uh, quite moving as you write about him and, and write about his his illness in the book. Um, I was quite moved by it. Um, there's a there's a moment that I, I want to ask you about. He, you. Um, as Chris is quite sick, you, you ask out loud if there is a God, and he tells you not to say that. Um, wh- what do you think your son Chris was thinking at that moment? Well, I guess he 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 uh, he, he was a believer, and he hoped that God would help him. Yeah. He just seems like a cool guy, too, as I'm reading about him in the book. Yeah, he, he, he was... Early on, he was interested in nutrition, and he, he didn't have, he was so fit, perfectly fit. I have a picture of him right now in the kitchen here that we're going to put in the Mount Sinai Hospital. We, he already, we already have one there, but we're going to put another one in, and he's so fit. And uh, he, he, was, he, he, uh, he was a chef. You know, he made uh, cakes, and he was so keen on on uh, being going into the business. He was going into the hotel business. Uh-huh. That's what he said. He said he was going to quit school and just go to work. And uh, he. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, 
you have three other sons, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and um, do you ever wish you had daughters? Oh, well, the last one, you know, I mm-hmm. <laughs> I was hoping that the, in those days you didn't know the sex of the baby. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I gave birth to Tony, and poor Tony knows this, <laughs> I, I, I was sitting up watching the baby, the head come out in the chest, and then I fell back with a thud. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh well, yeah. yeah, and and you know my my uh, grandson Aaron mm-hmm. is his wife is pregnant with their third child, and it's they had it's their third boy, uh. <laughs> and they they live in North Carolina. Yeah, they're and in your life is full. You have daughters-in-law. You have granddaughters, great granddaughters, even right. Yeah, we have seven great-grandkids. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty good. Yeah. And uh, I'm a family person. I, I'm, I, I do all the Jewish holidays. We have, we have the Yom Kippur dinner here. We mm-hmm. have Passover. We have Friday night dinners. Next Friday was a Friday dinner. We, we used to have them every Friday, but the kids have others. Interesting. So, so now my daughter Julie, uh, my granddaughter Julia, who is a doctor, mm-hmm. she decrees when the Friday dinners will happen because it's about she she works at the hospital, she works late, and so when I the the, the VIPs at the Friday dinner are her two boys, mm. so. If if they can't when they can come, that's when we have Friday dinners. Yeah. You write uh, Rosalie so lovingly about books in your book. Um, you talk about certain books that have had, say, a formative influence on you: The Wind in the Willows, uh, Betty Friedan's The Feminine Mystique. Um, you're known as a, as a great hostess, and and you know, you know, at the head table at, at big dinners with big shots. Um, uh, but yet, it's it's the company of a book that you'd prefer to all that, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm not really gregarious by nature, but I do a very good job of pretending to be. <laughs> <laughs> I do, you wouldn't know it, and maybe by now I I am. Who knows? Yeah. I've 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 we we had a 26 people for dinner two nights ago to. To say goodbye to John Davison, our CEO is retiring, and uh, I had, I'm pretty good at the entertainment thing. I, I had Mexican um, mariachis burst in, they were secretly in the kitchen, and they burst in after dinner into the dining room uh-huh. with their, in full regalia. And then I painted uh, a painting for the, the, of the honoree because he's a cyclist and we were going to buy him a, a bicycle for but then he, he just had a new bicycle so I painted a picture of, of him on his bike as a as a, 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 a gift that I pulled out from under the table uh-huh. and we had uh, down the table I, I have this sand and cactus all the way down, beautiful little cactuses and candles, and it, it's so I've become quite adept at entertaining. Yeah, but but in terms of books, I mean, you you find that you, I mean, you as you write in the book, you go back to the great classics that you grew up with. Um, in terms of contemporary fiction, even, I mean, do you read read that today? No, not so much. I just read. Inside Outside by Herman Wouk. Mm. It's an old book. Yeah, he, uh, I just read that, but it—he's—he's it, it, that man is a, a genius, right? I mean, he—he he got the Pulitzer Prize for the Cane Mutiny. Right, Winds of War. And, and the the Winds of War, yeah, the Cane Mutiny, and then the Cane Mutiny Court Martial. Those are two different uh, right. ones. Is a, a play, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
so I mean, I I have two hundred and fifty books on my Audible, uh-huh. uh, my iPhone, and I put my husband on on it. Like he's not di- digital. He doesn't. He he was never going to be a, have a computer, but he has one. Yeah. He has one, and I I I'm his librarian. So <laughs> what I did is. I, I buy a book on Audible, uh-huh. and for some reason, it, it's on both our our uh, iPhones, the same book. I don't right. know how that happens. Yeah. I guess so. Uh, so we walk every day, at least for forty minutes, and we listen to our Audible books. So I've got, but Audible books amazingly in my case maybe because i'm a visual person seem to go in one ear and out the other i i start the other day i started an audible book i looked in my library started mm-hmm. a new book and it was about a half an hour before i realized i already read this book <laughs> yeah it's that you don't if you see i remember if I am reading a book yeah. and I remember a passage I want to go back to, I want to reread, I remember that it's on the top left-hand quarter of the left-hand side page. Yeah. Yeah. So I go back and search in a certain spot for that passage. But the visual thing. But with audible books, you, you just somehow don't re- remember them. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I'm the same way with reading books, say, on a screen. Um, I, I, it's very hard for me to retain it, but you're absolutely right. When you have the, you're holding the page, um, you do retain it better. But but that brings up another thing that you write about in the book. You, you have um, your memory. Um, it's photographic, isn't it? Because that, that's how you were able to learn, you know, all these languages over the years. Is that right? Yes. 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 Oh, my husband tells the story uh, to anybody who will listen, but, you know, <laughs> I tell the story often. When he read the book, mm-hmm. he found out I talk about what I did in high school, and he was taking me out. We were dating at that time, and he said, she never told me this. What I did was I wanted to take Latin French and German in in grade thirteen in those days. Mm-hmm. So in in grade twelve, I used to I took I went into a classroom, an empty classroom every lunch hour, and did a chapter of Latin from the text every day, or and then a chapter of German. I did two languages, mm-hmm. and. Um, I wrote the Easter exam in grade 12 of Latin and German, and I got an 84. Now, I never had a teacher or a classroom in Latin. Mm-hmm. It was how I, I can't imagine how I did that. I just picked up the book and, and learned uh, that, those two languages because it was so easy for me. But... I would. I had to avoid trigonometry. I could not do that. <laughs> That's the thing I enjoyed about the book, Rosalie. Is that it? it um, it's written in a way where um, it feels conversational. I, I feel as though I'm, 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 uh, say, talking to a to a friend. I'm, I'm sure you felt that as you were writing the book that you were you were talking to a friend. Is, is that how, I, mean, I understand this was a pandemic project. Um, did, did it well, feel like uh, that, that way? It, yeah, that's just, uh, uh, that's how I write. I write, I, I write in that way. I, it just comes natural to, to me. And by the way, Joe, uh-huh. uh, I can't believe your recall. I, I you, you, I've never heard anybody read my book who, who knows even 2% of what you do, what you've retained. <laughs> well, that's, that's your gift because you, you make it memorable for the reader. There are things, though, in the book that, that um, deeply personal things that you share. Uh, you talk about an abortion. 
you talk about um, Mr. Mason, the tailor. Oh, yes. Um, that uh, wasn't his real name. No. Um, <laughs> In fact, he was a barber. I see. His name was Mr. Worley. I see. He was the barber next door. And, and so what yeah. is it like to, to talk about these deeply personal things? I mean, is it easy, or, or do you find that, that um, the passage of time makes it easier, say? Well, I felt that... Uh, that if you're going to write a story of your life, you better you better be honest. It's it's important to me. I remember reading a book by Catherine Hepburn called Me. Oh yeah. And it was all about her. It was such a bore. She talked about this person was nice and that person was lovely and everything. She just. It wasn't real. It was yeah. just a waste of time. Uh, so if you're going to, I, I, I just think it's it's uh, it, that you have, you should be honest. That a book isn't worth a biography isn't is worthless if it's not honest. There's some other things that I wouldn't have talked about. Say, I mean, you talk about the, this one episode where um, you drank that stuff that you take. Uh, before a colonoscopy and and um, <laughs> trying to make it home in time. I mean, <laughs> I might have left that out, Rosalie. <laughs> oh, that that was so funny. And, and then it was because of this person who who uh, uh, came up to me and he he told me he fell on his head, and uh, and I could see that he. <laughs> He definitely wasn't right in his head, and he, then he played me with telephone calls. He became a stalker, mm. and I and so Izzy said, "Well, I'll, I'll I'll have a meeting with him." So he always faces everything. It's that equanimity. So he said, uh, "I'll talk to him," and then the the guy was uh, was fine after Izzy talked to him. Yeah. For people listening to us, I guess you, you were giving a lecture, and he stopped you uh, on your way home, and you were yeah. rushing to get home, and, and um, <laughs> there was an accident, of it, which you describe in the book. Um, yeah. I'm sure you're asked this all the time. You have this, this huge collection of ceramics that you've collected over the years, I think, over 1,800 pieces, I think, as you write in the book. Um, yeah. You're asked this all the time, I'm sure. Who dusts it all? One thing I always say: you can ask me any question, but do not do not ask me who does <laughs> such a dull question. Yeah, it, 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 it's fascinating reading about your collecting, and 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 um, this is something that you and Izzy share, right? This is the, he, yeah. he has an interest in this as well, right? The history of it all, and well, not really. No. He he just he just. Uh, watches from afar, and uh, he he loves it because I'm doing it, and then he, he, he they're they, they're beautiful things, so mm -hmm. he enjoys them. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing, he's, he's a great supporter of your your artwork, and and the thing that I keep wondering as I'm reading the book and and, and see the pieces as you share them in the book, um, why you haven't had a, an art gallery showing of your own. Well, you know, I I have this framer. His name is Nick Rukai, and he picks up paintings every week and uh, frames them. Uh -huh. He has a gallery where he shows artwork, and he's a framer. So I'm waiting for him to say, "Why don't you have a show at my gallery?" Mm. And he never does. <laughs> so I'm just going to wait until he until he. <laughs> But I am, uh, I do give oh, paintings for charity, and my uh, 150 pieces at least are in my kids and, and houses uh, and great-grandkids. I'm sending 10 paintings to North Carolina next week for my grandson Aaron. He's, he, he, he needs them for his cottage. Mm. He's already got a house full. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm selling a lot of paintings, so to speak. 
Yeah, the the, the beautiful pieces of, of work that you show in, in, in us in the book. Um, I hate to ask this question, but do you have a favorite color? Uh, no, I I like when colors collide, usually opposites, and there's something that happens when they just they they sing together. That I I like that. Uh, I like to find the the color that I'm painting calls for other colors and I have like a thousand tubes of oil paint mm-hmm. in every color imaginable drawers and drawers full of them yeah there's some pieces there where, where um, I'm trying to remember now the pieces I guess it's you in, in, in this hoop skirt yeah which is which quite colorful and, and bright and, and the room is not as bright and it's quite striking to see the, the, the contrast in that yeah yeah, that's a, a self-portrait. I usually have to tell people it's a self-portrait. They don't recognize it. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there's a Yiddish phrase that comes up in the book. Um, I'm, I'm going to mispronounce it. You'll correct me if, if, if I get it wrong. Shepping Nachas? Yeah, Shepping Nachas. What does that mean? Uh, it's, it means to, to derive joy. That's exactly what it means to derive joy from someone else, from your children's accomplishments, for example, for your husband's accomplishments, for other people close to you who have achieved something, and you get you have the reflected joy from their accomplishment. Yeah, that that comes through in the in, in the book as as one reads your, your book, and um, it it's um, it, it's just a it, it's just a well put together book because there are great lessons here, um, not, not just in business but but how to conduct one's life and, and family itself, and and, and it, it's it's not just Izzy, it, it's certainly you that comes through, and 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 I, I guess one can glean a lot of wisdom in that. Um, I, I've kept you longer than I said I would, Rosalie, but it's, it's such a pleasure to speak with you. Congratulations on this book and, and continued good luck with it. I, th- I thank you for your time today. Well, I enjoyed it so much, and and it's 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 fun to talk to somebody who's who's, who's so uh, um, no interested. <laughs> you, you're you're very curious. That's good. The website for more is at rosaliewisesharp.com. The book is called Me and Izzy, A Four Seasons Romance. It's published by ECW Press. Its author, Rosalie Wise Sharp. Join me on the line from Toronto and Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.